Hi everyone and welcome to episode 141 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Lauren. Hi guys. Yeah, it's 141, not 150. Uh, no. <laughs> because last episode I made a bit of a mistake and said it was 149. You just thought reason. we were more ahead than you, we no, actually we were. No, you see, you know what happened was when I was doing the outline, instead of writing 140, I apparently mistyped and hit the 9 instead of 0. <sighs> And in my brain, I didn't think, well, last episode was 139. It's okay, Daryl. We just skipped 10. It's okay. We just skipped 10. We're going back in time. Yeah. Um, So we've We've got... We've come from the future. We have come from the future, and we're going to be talking about a few different things. Um, Mm. We obviously can't say too much, because otherwise we get in trouble. Because we know know so much. Yeah, we do. Our head is full of knowledge. But uh, yeah, so we've got a couple of topics. The first one, this episode is going to be about Hajime Tabata... Um, he said some stuff, <laughs> yeah. and um, uh, maybe he shouldn't have said some stuff. And so mm. we're going to discuss the stuff he said, mm. or perhaps shouldn't have said. Mm. Uh, we're then going to go and do a slight news roundup. There's been a couple of different things going on this episode, well, between this episode and the last episode. Nothing too major, but there's been enough. I yeah. Think. yeah. And then we've got some questions to go through. Ooh. Yeah. But for you new folks, Final Fantasy Union is, of course, part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every Tuesday working in rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union, and we come on the iTunes store as well as FinalFantasyUnion.com. We have a load of wonderful people that support us on Patreon, and we're not going to read out all those who have pledged $2.50 or more to whom we are eternally grateful. Yes, we are very, very grateful for you guys. All right, starting off, we have Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Christian Burge. Lewis James. Satria Jayasadama at Citria 625 Ruben. Skylar Loveless. Tiger Crane at Purple Milkshake. Tyson Wildman at Ty Wildman 1. Ventus. William Trengove at Varnas the Azure. Chris Morales. Digi Leo at Chubb Arcanine. Dusty Vaviv at DustyFish770. Eric Decker at Chalklu Taco. Harley Crawley at DarkZT Akami. Jonathan Gonzalez at Oh, It's Just Johnny. Josh McNabb at J2K9. Michael Graham. Thorin Bullen at Masker23. Zach Duranto at ZDuranto58. Alex Troutman at Akira Namejin. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Darren Matthews at Doomster73. Jason Rivera at Neo Arcadaic. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Julio Carrillo at Dead Demon225. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Mario Herker. Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Quail. Muhammad Kayam. Nico Gonzalez at Nick underscore Knack95. Rachel Casterton at Urba Young Ray. Tony Stemman at Tony Stemman. Matanitas at V underscore Tron5000. Zellclone at Apes Type Novels. And that rounds it all out. Thank you, everyone. Like, there are some of you who have been supporting us for so long. And just thank you guys so much. Thank you. Like, it really means the world to us. We also got some word back from people that we've recently sent badges to for the uh, $4 pledge. And it seemed like they really enjoyed them. So, yes. um, At the moment, I'm a bit on a hiatus for badges. I don't know if there's any um, lined up at the moment, but. Um, I unfortunately have packed away my badge stuff, uh, stupidly. So it's over at our new house, but not somewhere. with me somewhere in a box. So I am so sorry. Um, y- there might be a bit of a delay on the badges, but I swear, I swear once I get my stuff back, I will be sending them out as they soon will, as I can. They will get to you. And also 
Please, everyone, check your Patreon messages to see if we messed you because you won last month's giveaway. Yes, definitely do, because we've had so many people who just haven't responded, and we're just like, we want to give you things. I think there's something wrong with the notification system. Yeah, Patreon yeah. doesn't is not good at notifying, so be sure to check back. Alrighty then, it's time for the main topic of the day! Hajime Tabata. Uh, Tabata-san. He is a special man. He is. Um, Yeah, he's been saying a couple of different things in recent times, and um, some of it is... It's it's not come off in the best light. Let's let's put it no, that way. Let's be no, diplomatic here. Yeah. So in a recent interview with Game Informer, he started talking about the uh, story and why they made certain decisions. And I'm just going to start off with a quote here. Well, actually, two quotes. Um, the first is that he said, The world and events that Noctis sees are merely things that are seen through his eyes. In Final Fantasy XV, we didn't want to create a comprehensive and perfectly balanced story in this game. Instead, we placed importance on the main characters and for the player and Noctis to share the same experience when we tell the story. And on the subject of side characters, um, they didn't want to decrease the role of side characters. Instead, they wanted to place more importance on the four characters themselves and strive to depict everything seen from their perspective. All right. Discuss, Lauren. How do, <laughs> I mean, we obviously have like been looking at this quote for a while, trying yeah. to figure out exactly what he means, and like some parts of it are very clear. Like, yeah. Okay, so when he's saying that they didn't want a perfectly balanced story, you can take that the wrong way. Yeah. But you can also say, well, he's literally just said that they wanted to focus on the main characters, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine if you want to do that. But. One, it doesn't match the story that we were given. And then two, it just doesn't seem like it's a right answer. It just doesn't... It's not apparent in the story that they told that that was the decision. Which, if that makes which sense. Which are you talking about? Noctis' because perspective Noctis's or perspective. the lack of side characters? Noctis' perspective. Because, um, I mean, the start of the game, yeah, that's fine. It pretty much like focuses around the four mains. But throughout the game, you get, like, scenes from other characters' perspectives. You get the little scene with, like, um, talking to the baddies of the game. You get um, scenes with Luna and Ravis. And, like, Noctis wouldn't have been around for that. So it's just kind of like, well, you know, that doesn't really match up with what you're I, saying. And I guess the the issue I have with this is, okay, so you could say that if you're going to do the, the narrative from, from the protagonist's perspective... You can have those side. Oh, yeah. You can have those side, side yeah, yeah, things, yeah. and that's fine. But the thing is that the, the the scenes they chose to do really make they were inconsequential. Like the scenes between um, like Ravis and Arden in Altissia. You don't need to like if that didn't exist, it would change pretty much nothing in the entire narrative. So mm. what was the point of them spending the time building up? Like say Ra- Ravis, why? I mean, really, why is he even in the game? Yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot of characters like Idolis doesn't really need to be there, Vassal yeah. doesn't really need to be there, Arenea, I mean, conceivably doesn't really need to be there. No, like there's these characters that appear in these um, side story things that where Noctis isn't present. That just what they do in those scenes doesn't really add anything. Yeah, I mean the the thing that I was going to get back to is is that it's fair enough if you want to do it from Noctis's perspective or if that's your choice, but do it well. Do it well. Like, I mean, I know I sound like a broken record because I keep going back to it, but I love Nier. Nier, if you haven't played the first game, it does this perfectly, in my opinion, in terms of story. When you first play through it, you are focusing on Nier's perspective. Everything you see is from Nier's perspective, 
like every enemy you go up against, characters that you meet, it's all from Nier's perspective. Then once you finish the game, you can go back and you can witness an expanded story. So well, they, you even, see things from different people's perspectives I mean, and that sort of thing. That that's true, and um, like obviously that's a very literal form on other people's perspectives. Things, but Nier also did. Um, they introduced side characters very well and made yeah. you, and made you feel about them. And yeah, and even I, though they were only in very small yeah, bits, and, and that's the um, that's the issue that Final Fantasy Fifteen had for me in terms mm. of the the balance of the story. Yeah, okay, so they didn't want to have it perfectly balanced. I mean, you could, I mean define a perfectly balanced story, like yeah, but I mean, I mean, the whole thing is that they they got the balance wrong. They yeah. introduced characters at the wrong points. They did scenes at the wrong points. Like, you know, the, you got the scene with Ravis, uh, sorry, um, Regis and uh, Noctis at the beginning of the game. It's a heartfelt moment. You know, Regis yeah. is saying goodbye to his son and, uh, you know, there's something deep there, but mm. you don't know Re- Regis as a character. So no. it, it's, it means next to nothing. And, you know, with Luna as well, the relationship that she builds up with Noctis, we don't know about it. No. Or we're, we're told. And that's the thing. Like, we're, we're just told in different scenes and stuff and... And even when um, you see Noctis and Luna as kids, they're not having fun as kids. They're talking about the narrative. It's plot exposition. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, you're the Oracle and this is my role as Oracle. And it's like, well, do kids really talk about that kind of stuff? No. Probably not, no. No, it's just such a shame because it just seems like during the development, they had all of these ideas, but none of them really stuck. So they just kind of threw them together. So, I mean... You have initially the bro trip that they were planning on, which is, I think, what no- what Noctis, what Tabatasan is trying to um, address here. That was supposed to be a road trip from the group and Noctis's perspective. But then early on in the development, he was saying about how he wanted to focus on the relationship between father and son. But there and wasn't then, really that relationship. And then the, like how uh, Noctis and Luna were going to have a deep, meaningful a complicated, relationship. And yeah. It's like there's all these different relationships that were supposed to be in there, but none of yeah. them really manifest so, themselves. Like from that perspective, I think people were willing to negate all of their bad feeling. Well, most of their bad feelings about the game due to development time. I think people were willing to accept that this game is the way that it is and it has the problems that it does because they just didn't have enough time to develop it. Tabata yeah. was thro- Tabata was thrown into it. And and to be fair, I think you and I and a lot of other people just the story is what it is. We yeah. had kind of just accepted it. We were going to understand. And you know, if you look at different like Ravis for example, if you really look at what Ravis did in the story, there is a lot of hidden meaning there. And you, if you go through the fine tooth comb, it, it does make a lot more sense. It, it wasn't conveyed very well. No. But there's substance there. Now, as far as I'm concerned, they were kind of in the clear with this. I yeah. had kind of forgiven them, like, or whatever you want to, yeah. however you want to say it. Because I, I, I did enjoy the it. game. I was fine with it. Like, the story wasn't perfect, but it was decent. Yeah. It was decent. Why is there the need to come out and say this? I don't that, know. That's what I don't understand. I know. That's it, what makes me so angry because. It really just ripped open a wound and then just poured salt into it, didn't it? Like, it was just like picking a scab. Yeah, because I mean, okay, so fair enough, he's talking about the fact they didn't want to create a perfectly balanced story. That's that's okay. Mm-hmm. But to say you don't want to create a comprehensive story, it's like, oh, and yeah, And that well, was your intention? Yeah, like, we didn't want to create a perfectly... Uh, a, we didn't want to create a comprehensive story. Like, yeah, it was just uh, unnecessary. What, what what did you want to create? And this is, and, uh, this is where it's a bit strange. And also, even he kind of contradicts himself in his answers because he's like, well... We want it to be from Noctis' perspective, but then we want it to be from the four, all four of their perspectives. Yeah. Like, but then you've taken the, 
you've taken them out. So yeah. yeah, you didn't even show the more pivotal scenes of the group. You didn't show what happened to Prompto when he got knocked off the train. You didn't show how Ignis lost his eyesight. You didn't show how Gladiolus got his scars. Like you didn't you took out so much more of the development that would have made us love these characters even more for what seems like for the sake of DLC, for the sake of getting more money out of us, which makes us which makes me even more sort of um upset with how things have gone. Um I mean, you know, it is what it is really. I mean, I'm I'm personally not going to buy the DLC um just for that for that sake. I don't I don't want this to continue. I want a game that is like the older games. I think I think with the Ignis and uh the Prompto I wasn't so bothered. It's the Gladiolus one. Yeah. That's the one where it was just like Okay, Random. so this this makes literally zero sense from a narrative perspective. No. He's the sworn bodyguard of the future king. Where's he going? Yeah, like why is he so angry? Like he, what did he what did we do? Well, it's not even it's like so if you think about what's happened, so Gladiolus goes and leaves the three of them with no explanation whatsoever, and then he left them to go off to an like an uncharted area really yeah. where and to chill out essentially with a hired Nifelheim bodyguard, what yeah. Aranea, who they don't know if they can remotely trust because they've yeah. met her once and she tried to kill them at that time. Yeah. How is that good service to the king? Or the I know. king? I know. It's like, oh yeah, no, you'll be fine. And then when they come when he comes back, he's like, No, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Oh great. Thank Thanks. You. Thank you. Thanks so much. Like, at so, least with Ignis, I can understand. Like, okay, so something might have happened. He doesn't want to talk about it. Fair enough. Yeah. Prompto, he got kidnapped. Something happened. Doesn't want to talk about it. Fair enough. Yeah. But with Gladiolus, nah, it doesn't sit right with me. No, no. It just seems so just sort of placed in. Like, oh, uh, I just got to go pl- blow off some steam. Bye, guys. And you're just like, oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks, dude. This was awesome. Um, but yeah, and I really missed his. I really missed his like little limit break thing. Well, I mean, this is, uh, <laughs> in that a, dungeon. There's actually a really good um, video by uh, guys called Dark Pixel Game on YouTube where they ran through the story and they're talking about how it's like a really big thing with no. It, there's lots of payoff, but there's no delivery. Yeah. And one of the ones they pointed out was Gladiolus. So in um, in all of the preamble, like Brotherhood and everything, he's this like really straight, narrow guy and all this stuff. But by the time Field Fantasy Fifteen comes around, he's like really let himself go. He's got tattoos everywhere. Mm. Like he's this big burly guy. Like what happened <laughs> in that time to go he, from? He had a bit of a um, mid thirties like life crisis sort of situation. Even though he's only like in his twenties or something. Yeah, early twenties. Um, early twenties. He just had you know a sudden urge to um, just go under the knife and you know get get tattoos and. All that, all that jazz. Under the knife to get tattoos. Yeah. Oh, um, he's that. He's that rebellious. That gonna, he gets actually, them carved. You know, Gladiolus is so epic that he gets tattoos carved into well, he him. He does have some scars. So, you and know. he does have some scars. Who knows? That scar might get be a tattoo um, as well. All right. So, moving on from that, because as you can tell, it's um, an interesting topic. I, yeah. I, like, okay. So, I mean, obviously, you can you can look at the topic with some disapproval. Mm-hmm. My main disapproval is the fact that he spoke about it. Yeah. Because he didn't need to. And like with what he said, 
it's very hard to interpret the meaning. Like, yeah. Okay, so the perfectly balanced thing, as I said, I, you can kind of understand because he's just said that, you know, we want to focus on the main characters. Yeah. It didn't decrease the focus on the side, side characters, even though there is no real focus on side characters. Um, and they didn't want to create a comprehensive story. You could e- interpret that as they wanted it to just be kind of straightforward and simple. Mm. Like They didn't want a super complex narrative like we, we have with the Fabian of Christos mythology mm-hmm. throughout Final Fantasy Thirteen. They just wanted it to be what it is. Yeah. Which is uh, which is fair enough, and yeah. it could just be that the guy who was translating um, got it wrong, it, well, misunderstood. Not so much wrong because it was through Game Informer. So yeah, so I would think that they had good translators. Yeah, it's, it's a sanctioned interview, but like, maybe I, it was taken out of context or I something. I don't think that would be the case either. I like, don't know. It's a sanctioned interview that's yeah. in a magazine. Yeah. So therefore, like you'd have thought that there would be some kind of assurance from Square on yeah. it. Like the PR people would say, no, nah, that's probably not what he meant. Yeah. Uh, but so that's no. why this is a bit weird. That it's come out this way, but yeah, he could he could he could have easily just said no. He just wanted to make the story like a, a, a quite simple, and we wanted to focus mm. more on Noctis. And um, we didn't, you know, we ha- we wanted the side side characters there, but you know, it wasn't a main focus. Like development then wasn't a main focus from for us with yeah. the story. Like that yeah. that would be a softer way of saying it instead of saying we didn't want it to be comprehensive. We didn't want it to be any balance. Yeah, and it was like pretty much from Noctis' perspective, unless it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before this actually happened, um, <laughs> see, it's the time traveling. Yes. Yes. Time um, traveling. Tabata also came out and said that he had had a lunch with Sakaguchi where they were just kind of post launch, chilling out, and blah, blah, blah. And um, the topic of the next Final Fantasy came up. Mm. And uh, Saka- because Sakaguchi was saying, well, what are you going to do next? And Tabata said, well, I don't want to direct another Final Fantasy game, I want to work on a new IP. And Sakaguchi apparently got very angry about this <laughs> because he was like, you know, I've, I've, I've brought myself back into the four. I supported like Final Fantasy 15 and now you're just gonna, just gonna give up on it. Yeah. Like what, what's wrong with you yeah. kind of thing. I don't think he was serious well, though. Well, I mean, you never know with Tabata, but he, you know, he was, you wouldn't jokingly say that someone got angry. I think you would. I think from what he said afterwards, I think he was joking because he was just like, give me back your food. <laughs> like, give me back the snake that you're eating. I mean, it's, again, it's, it's difficult for, to interpret. He's a goofball. I think I think Sakaguchi is a complete and utter well, goofball. Well, no, I think even it was the interview was with, was with Jewel Shockers and I think even then they said it was it was difficult to tell if he was serious or not. Mm. Like it wasn't that he was saying, because it, it was like, I think he laughed, but it was yeah. like a nervous laugh. Oh, uh, maybe. So I, I don't know. I yeah. think he's. I think he's a goof. I think both of them are goofs. Anyway. Yes. So, um, yeah. So <laughs> Tabata has said he doesn't want to direct on the Final Fantasy game for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason he would do it is because I think he knows there's an interest to see what he would do from the start of a main series game. Because obviously, mm-hmm. with 15, he had to come in and kind of save the ship. Yeah. To, uh, and steady the ship. Sorry. Um, but yeah, he just doesn't want to work on it again, which I think is a good thing. But. It's also true that it's like it's it's been that way for a lot of the Final Fantasy games recently. Ever since Sakaguchi left, there hasn't really been a consistent director well, yeah, on I mean, the he main had, series. Um, I mean, Kitaze did a lot. He did. Um, well, he did. He only did two in a row. Yeah, and then you know Ito took over for not or well, no, did Sakaguchi? T- no, oh, I always get to mix up who did nine. I, f- I have a Ito feeling that nine. Ito had a nine, yeah. And then um, with Final Fantasy X, Toriyama and... No, that's you know... Kitaze. Oh, that was Kitaze as yeah. well. Oh, I thought that was Toriyama. Toriyama Never was mind. involved. I get all my directors. I get all my directors messed up. Toriyama there was 13. Ha- there have been some co-director games. Mm. Um, um, but either way, either way, 
Um, this is not, this doesn't seem like it's something that's too uncommon for a Final Fantasy main series game. No, I think it's more the fact that, you know, when people don't direct, so like obviously Ito did six, but then he didn't do anything until nine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of what they do in between. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like with Toriyama, obviously, since um, the 13 trilogy is wrapped up, he's gone on to Mobius. Yeah. Uh, Ito, I mean, who knows what he's working on. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think this is probably best for him. I think probably being thrown into something like Final Fantasy 15. Granted, he has done a lot of work on the other games, but he probably didn't have as much of the pressure as he's probably had on Final Fantasy 15. No. Um, I, I mean, mean, Type Zero, he might have had a bit of that. I'd say Crisis Core probably had Crisis more pressure. Core. But um, but I think he's probably thinking, I just want to be left alone. Because, I mean, even though each Final Fantasy game is completely different, I think they probably put a lot of pressure because they know that that game has to sell and it has to be crap hot in order for them I, to release it. I mean, he tried to do different things, obviously, with it. He he did the active time reports. He tried to be more uh, communicative with the community. And, you know, there were some positives to that and so there were some negatives. And I yeah. think with working on a new IP, which is obviously what he wants to do next... It gives him a lot more creative freedom because he doesn't yeah. have to answer the questions about why haven't you put Moogles in the game? Why no. isn't this there? Why have you done it that way? And it's like because there's no, there'll be no tradition for him to work on. He can do what he wants. And I'm and sure I, he's probably looking at Yoko Taro and just being like, oh, you bastard. Getting to roll <laughs> around on the ground and act like an idiot. Like, honestly, I want to do that. I, I Yeah, I mean, it, it's just the freedom that yeah. I think he, he probably needs because... We were looking back and pretty much in his entire professional career as a video game designer at both Square Enix and at Tecmo where he was before, he's never worked on a new a new game. He's no. always had to work on pre-existing properties, whether yeah. it's going to be a sequel or a spin-off or whatever it is. Yeah. He's he's pretty much worked on every single game he's worked on at Square Enix has been Final Fantasy apart from The Third Birthday, which mm. is obviously a continuation of Parasite Eve and Kingdom Hearts Coded. And working on something new, I think, is just good for him like he, yeah obviously creators want to do these new things it's just mm-hmm. trying to get into the position where you can do that and i think for square personally i mean they're going in slightly the right direction or a better direction now than they were before under matsuda um as in the direction under matsuda now is better than it was before yeah. Wada. because square enix japan don't make new ips i mean Wada was very clear that they wanted to maximize profit and um when they made new IPs, it just didn't really work out that well for yeah. them. And so, obviously, you had I Am Setsuna as a new IP recently, mm-hmm. but before that, and did like, really well. It did really well. Well, it didn't. I didn't. It didn't do. It did really well, well for a new IP. For yeah. a new IP. Well, a, a low budget new yeah. IP. Um, before that, you got to look at the Bravely series, which has done mm-hmm. pretty well. But, but even that was a spin-off. Yeah, it's it's a spiritual successor to uh, Four Heroes of Light, Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then before that, you've got like Mind Jack, and yeah. Murdered Soul Suspect, <laughs> yeah. The Last Remnant, um, Sigma Harmonics, which I don't even think got a Western release, which sold really... That was the game, because they had The World Ends With You as well, which was good. Um, but Sigma Harmonics was the one where I believe it was after that that Walla came out and said... We can't, like, the game sold badly. Yeah, we can't afford it. We can't afford to keep doing this. Which is fair enough. Well, it is and it isn't because yeah. the problem is then then you exploit your properties too much and then everyone gets fed up with them. Well, it's Activision, isn't it? You've, gotta, you've always got to have something new and they've never been able to find out what that something new is. No. So they've had the Final Fantasy and they've I mean, had they just Dragon won the, Quest. <laughs> they just won the Guinness World Record for the most prolific series, um, RPG series, yeah. 87 title. 
and there's way more than that and there is a lot more than way that. more yeah. than that it's just hilarious so i i see this as a good thing i yeah. mean there's obviously they've got a new um square extra panel got a new title coming out on the switch called predict octopath i'm really curious as to what he'll come up with i mean it'll be yeah it'll be interesting to see what what his sort of direction production um what direction it takes yeah and um Many people are thinking it might be a, a continuation of Agni. Yeah, that would be really um, sick. Obviously, they've done two tech demos about Agni now. Obviously, the first was Agni's philosophy and then had Witch. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of interest around it. I think when we were doing oh some research, God, yeah. the um, Agni's philosophy video is the second most viewed video on the Square Enix Japan official channel, mm-hmm. only beaten by the Final Fantasy VII remake so reveal. So it'd be silly for them not to do it. Yeah, I mean, everyone wants it. It's just a matter of when, probably. Okay, so that's our Tabata Angst. And to summarize... <laughs> Tabata, even though you've said that Final Fantasy XV's development is going to continue for another year and you've got to talk about it, just be more diplomatic about what you say. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Don't antagonize anyone any more no. than you have to. Just say things about upcoming stuff. Mm-hmm. Be positive. Yes. And make a good new IP. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think okay. Good. So, news time. <gasps> First, we got Mobius. Ooh. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, Mobius is now live on PC. Um, I haven't had the chance to check it out yet. I really want to, though. Um, it's apparently been downloaded already by 120,000 players, which yep, is in the West, pretty good. Yeah. Um, and the review score, though, is a bit mixed, I guess, because it's a mobile game being ported to a PC game. And it's a bit hard, I guess. Yeah, so only only 69% of people have given it a positive rating at the yeah, moment. Yeah, because, I, I mean, mean, it does rely yeah. a lot on, like, the touch screen on the phone. So I don't know quite what the controls are like on uh, PC. I'm sure they'll be fine. Yeah. Well, six, about 69%, I mean... Yeah, but That's if, obviously I, not I, I don't know exactly. how they implemented it because yeah. if they've literally just ported over the mobile stuff with the the timed content and all that stuff, yeah. and I don't know, yeah. And the Final Fantasy VII remake collab is now live, Yay. so that means you can fight alongside Cloud. Exciting. Exciting. Yes, very exciting. Uh, and as a segue here, we've actually had some new news. <gasps> new news. New news. About the Final Fantasy VII Aside remake. From old news. Which came out of nowhere, really. Mm. Um, so after saying at the 30th anniversary event that they weren't in a position to show anything and just showed off some piece of that uh, kind of concept art thing, what is it? We're now two weeks later. Yeah. And at the Monaco Anime Game International Conference, Tetsuya Nomura showed off two screenshots. Just as you do. So it was about the opening bomber mission. There was the first screenshot was uh, Cloud ducking behind some cover, and mm. the second one was them fighting against the guard scorpion. Mm. Um, it's pretty cool. I think. Yeah, there's a lot of like negativity going around it though. Really? Like a lot of people are really angry about the fact that it's not um, it's not turn based like it was before. But it's just like, guys, come on! Like this is this is the way that it's going now. Like they're doing the remake and. It's just, it's just different. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, times change. If they were yeah. going to make a turn-based RPG now, then it probably wouldn't sell anywhere near as much as they want to do. I guess the issue is that they're choosing to abandon what made them the successful. Original. So obviously, even with Final Fantasy twelve, that was a form of turn-based combat still. It was a, an advanced form of it, but it was still turn-based it's combat. It's true. Whereas they've basically just abandoned that now, and their RPGs are essentially just becoming action RPGs. There's no, yeah. there's no notion of turn-based in there whatsoever. But then, if you look at the way things have been going recently, I mean, 
you have Nomura as the director. Like his games have all been action based RPGs with Kingdom Hearts, so yeah, it, it just makes sense that he would do that because that's just the way that it's going for them. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. He, I mean, he probably finds a lot more creative um, creativity from that because he can create these different moves. Granted, the first Kingdom Hearts didn't have that much, but. Like, as the series went on, he got more intricate with regards to... I guess the whole thing with Kingdom Hearts, though, is that it's really cartoony. So it the is. gameplay can be really static and shoddy. Yeah. Whereas with the Final Fantasy VII Remake, it has to be a lot better because it's realistic. Yeah, I guess so. But I think as the series has gone on with Kingdom Hearts, it's gotten a lot better. And I think people are really excited for Kingdom Hearts 3. But, I mean, just give it just give it some time. Like, just just... I know that you're upset, but... As Nomura has said in the past, if you really want to play the original Final Fantasy VII, it is it. always there for you to play. Go and play it. And if you really want spiffy graphics, you can get a mod and it will look spiffy. Yeah, so that's that on the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yes. Um, Dissidia also got a slight update. Um, it's about the arcade, not not anything about the console version, <laughs> don't worry. Um, so yeah, they've announced that Sephiroth is going to have his Kingdom Hearts get up as an alternative costume. And Pandemonium from Final Fantasy 2 has been added at a, as a new stage. Ooh. Exciting stuff, Lauren. I know. I know. All right. So um, time to move on to some questions. We've got a couple this episode. I'm going to let you kick things off, Lauren. Okay. So the first one is from Pokemon Trainer J, who is also a, a Patreon supporter. Yay. Thank you. Um, what has been your favorite special power from Final Fantasy games, i.e. limit breaks, desperation, quickenings, etc.? I... When I saw this question, I actually had a, a bit of a think about this mm. because um, I said, what is my favorite one? Because obviously Limit Breaks have been in a couple of different games as well. Yeah. Uh, I'd say I'd probably go with Final Fantasy VIII yeah. because, I mean, like, de- trance attacks were kind of boring. Mm. Uh, Final Fantasy, like, a lot of them are kind of boring. Yeah. But Final Fantasy VIII, there was actually something for you to do. Yeah. So, like, whether it was Zell putting in the combinations and, and doing the massive string or, cla- uh, sorry, um, Squall uh hitting the thing at the right times you got Irvine you had to fire the gun like there was actually some kind of interaction yeah not just a scene yeah it wasn't just I'm gonna press the button and then nothing else is gonna matter whereas in Final Fantasy VIII it was I'm gonna press the button and then my skill level is gonna determine how well I actually do this that's actually why I really liked um Final Fantasy X's as well like I think Final Fantasy X had a really good limit break system with um I mean, you had uh, the sort of hit the button quick enough one with Titus, and yep, then you Lulu had well, Lulu's yeah. and Waka's. I, I never liked the slots. I was never good with the slots. I don't know why. I just can't predict when what it's going to do. I can't think that fast. But I always like the button combinations with Arn as well. And um, yeah, I really, I really liked the way that Final Fantasy X did theirs. Um, not a big fan of the ones from Final Fantasy Thirteen. I don't know why. I just didn't like getting in the big mechanics. I just was a bit lazy. <laughs> I didn't really feel like attacking using a different piece of machinery with like the Shiva, the Shiva bike and that type of stuff. Mm. Like I just didn't really, I, I just wasn't a fan of that. I just didn't, I didn't like having that sort of control. I wanted to, to do it for me. I didn't want to have to do it. I'm just lazy. There we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. So the next question is from Hugh Carrillo, who is also a Patreon supporter. Uh, and they want to know, do you think Scranix has a problem announcing games too early? Hmm. I wonder. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And yes. 
Uh, they have a massive problem with the name with releasing or sorry, announcing games way too early. And um, yeah, they're like that kid who just can't wait for Christmas or that it's like how I was when I was playing hiding and seek when I was a kid. I could never wait for kids to find me. I always had to jump out and say, I'm here because I just get too anxious. And maybe that's the same with Square Enix. They get too anxious about games that they're just like, we have this game. Oh, crap. We have to make it now. It seems to be a Nomura problem more than anyone else, mm, I think. Maybe. Uh, because I was actually... Right, so, obviously, he, with Kingdom Hearts 3, he's gone on record as saying, we announced that too early. Yeah. Um, but going back, he's done, like, pretty much all of his Kingdom Hearts games. He's come out and said, we announced it too early. Mm. Because they just... He just can't help himself. Yeah. No. Like he, just, he just has to announce it. But then he doesn't say anything. No. So like Versus 13 announced way too early. Kingdom Hearts 2 was announced way too early. Kingdom Hearts 3 is announced way too early. And now the Final Fantasy VII remake has been announced way, way, way too early. I know. Like what, what is he doing? And the fact that you can go on record over the last decade and say, yeah, no, we know we announced things too early. We're really trying to work hard at it. How difficult is it? <laughs> like, just don't say just anything. Wait, <laughs> just hold off. All I mean, you, all you've got to do is look at Bethesda with Fallout Four. They didn't announce anything until like six months before the game came out. Mm. Everyone was so stoked about it. I mean, it's it is really weird that they announced Kingdom Hearts Three so long ago, and like we've only got like a few sort of cutscene, not even cutscenes, but just like a trailer. Or two, and then some screenshots, and that's about it. And I mean, granted, everybody's still really hyped, but it's just kind of like, all right. Well, Nomura even come? announces games before they're even announced. I know. Like he, like the the flipping trailers at the end of the uh, final mix and all that yeah. stuff. Like, oh yeah, here's the next continuation, which hasn't actually been even thought of yet. Yeah. But yeah, I just really think that Nomura just has a, a, a problem. He needs to start going to some kind of uh, meetings for that. Yeah, someone needs to have a word with him. Sort it out. Um, all right, so this next one is from Hida-san, who asks, how excited are you for a new Final Fantasy XIV expansion? Um, this is awkward. Um, <laughs> I know. Probably not that excited because know. we don't have time to play Final Fantasy XIV. We did like, play it for a while, but um, with the the... There's a part of me, and it's it's a small part of me that really wants to be into Final Fantasy XIV, but there's just no time. There's absolutely no time to do this on top of everything else that we have to do, and it's gotten to the point now where the game is too far into the storyline that I don't think I could ever feasibly catch up, so... I just can't. I just can't do it. Unless if I just dedicated like two months of not doing anything except for playing Final Fantasy fourteen, I just I can't I can't be hyped for it anymore. I think the community is great and I think that there's a lot of great things that have come out of Final Fantasy fourteen fanfest, um, especially the one that just happened. Um, but yeah, I just can't I just can't get the hype there. I'm sorry. Um but yeah, I just don't have the time for it anymore. It's like a whole other world. And it it's, is. It's, it's one that it's we a full time job. Yeah, we don't have. It's just one we don't have time. No, really for. as much as we would want time. Okay, so the last question we have is from uh, at Emily Luna on Twitter, and uh, they want to know: Do you think the supporting characters in Final Fantasy Fifteen were well written? Uh, talking about characters like Luna and Aranea, and do you think the future DLC will help here? Um not really i mean 
the thing is, is that what it what constitutes as well written? Like, I think that um, Irenea and I think that Luna were very interesting characters. Um, I think that Gentiana was another one as well, and Iris. I think that they had they had a characters characterization within them. But the fact that we didn't get to see a lot of them made me a bit disappointed because I think that they could have probably offered a lot more. However, after playing through the game, I honestly don't know where they would fit inside the narrative that um, that Tabata has um, put together. Like, I don't even know where they would fit the scenes <laughs> that would make Aranea or Luna into bigger characters because like where would it be where Luna would just be like oh I'm just gonna uh, I'm, I'm not gonna help these people uh, get healed I'm just gonna go off and hang out with you guys for like a section of the game well that's what they originally planned and I'm gonna marry to, you to put in not there, this right? and yeah. then it just never materialized we're gonna get married like it made it, it made more sense for Luna not to be in it if only because like it made more of the anticipation of Noctis and Luna coming together a bit better a bit nicer uh but at the same time yeah no I, I wish that they were in it but uh do i think that future dlc will help i don't know i am not a fan of dlc i just don't i don't agree with what they're doing as far as dlc goes so if it does help great i'll see it on youtube if not then fair enough but i'm not buying it i mean yeah obviously you, if you look at the the range of supporting characters i think yeah, obviously, Core, Iris, Ravis, like they had ups and downs. Yeah, I think Iris was okay, but then the way they tried to write her in was strange. It's like, why is bearing in mind that Noctis is going to be married to Luna? Why is Gladiolus trying to set him up? Yeah, why? With... Why he's trying to get her like a flower or something? He's trying to get Noctis to give yeah, her because he knows he knows that Iris has got a crush on Noctis and has for a while. So like, but he's still. I, d I mean, that was weird. It was. Um, and he's she's 15. Like, that's the thing. She's 15 years old. Like, she's a youngin'. She's a little girl. It's okay, Lauren. I know. Uh, and then Kor, obviously, was... I mean, his character was pretty bad. Yeah. In terms of what was there. Yeah. Um, at, he could have been so much more. Yeah, and obviously, like, he, he's one that we know is going to be an episode Gladiolus, so he might get a bit more depth there. Mm -hmm. But... Um, yeah, I mean, Aaron Ed really had no actual... Uh, there was, like, hardly any lines yeah. for Aaron Ed at all. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, she was okay written. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, who knows yeah. what the DLC is going to do. So, I don't think Aaron Ed is going to get much in the way of uh, <laughs> much more focus no. in the upcoming DLC. No, neither is Luna, really. No, I mean, because if the story, if it's going to be based around um, what happens, then it doesn't make sense for Luna to be involved. No, she's probably more, you probably get more so from um, Kingsglaive. That probably was just her sort of yeah. story, really. Um, but yeah, sorry to end on such a bad note. That's but... <laughs> okay, Lauren. But yeah, no. All right, so music this episode is from Final Fantasy X. Mm. It's an arrangement of Besaid Island theme, and it's by P and Rez featuring Mark Papagin. Papagin? Papagin. 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 Mm. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. The next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 7th of March, and you can, of course, subscribe to us on the iTunes store if you just search for Final Fantasy. We're there, they're about to just, uh, just check us out. Yeah. Uh, also, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. It's growing and growing and growing. We're very yeah. close to 20,000 subscribers now. It's insane, now. insane. 20,000. Yeah. 
And of course, check out all our news coverage at farmfantasynew.com where it's written by Brayden. Thanks, Brayden. Thank you, Brayden. All right, guys, it's time for us to say goodbye. Bye. I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a farmfantasynew.com production. Thank you.